The Start On Demand. demand. Hey, hey, it's GMAC for the last time for a little while at least for a vacationing Brett McGarry who's back tomorrow along with Loren McNabb. It's the Start On Demand as we get ready for the official beginning of the Manitoba provincial election campaign. Yes, we've been in campaign mode for some time now as we head towards the provincial election September 10th, but there are some formalities that need to take place, and that should happen today. Are you tech savvy? Mark Saltzman sure is. He joined us this morning, and uh, he will give us some ideas of the do's and don'ts around electronics for yourself, for your parents, and for your kids. We are celebrating the fact that 22 years ago today, Chumbawamba, Tub Thumping, yeah, not a great song, one hit wonder, but it gives us an excuse to talk about your favorite one-hit wonders. We have a sad story out of BC about a drug overdose, a father who's calling out those who watch, he says, watched his son die. That and much more. Let's get right down to business. Saturday morning, uh, I'm terrible because the first thing I do before I pretty much do anything Every day of the week is I go on a Twitter, Mm -hmm. see what's going on. And during the week, that's fine. Nobody else is up, but that's part of my routine. So it has bled into the weekend. And the first thing I see is that Jeffrey Epstein has died at his own hand. A story which, of course, has tongues wagging, social media buzzing with the thought of conspiracy theories and victims advocates speaking up about the fact that alleged sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein's victims won't receive any semblance of justice. So as you said, Greg, Saturday morning, the first news many of us heard was that the alleged sex trafficker had died. A person familiar with the jail's operations told the Associated Press guards on Epstein's unit were working extreme overtime shifts to make up for staffing shortages the morning of his apparent suicide. The person said the Metropolitan Correctional Center's special housing unit, unit pardon me, was staffed with one guard working a fifth straight day of overtime and another who was working mandatory overtime. The person wasn't authorized to discuss jail operations publicly and spoke Sunday on the condition of anonymity. Jennifer Johnson of Global News has a rundown and a recap of this story. Conspiracy theories now swirling around the death of Jeffrey Epstein, the wealthy financier accused of orchestrating a sex trafficking ring and sexually abusing dozens of underage girls. Epstein was found dead in his cell Saturday morning. The death came one day after documents were unsealed, accusing Epstein's ex-girlfriend of directing young girls to have sex with several powerful men. This alleged victim talking to ABC News. I really wanted him to take up for what he did and to be put in jail or prison um, and have to sit there and think about what it is he exactly did to so many people. Conspiracy theorists doubting he took his own life. U.S. President Donald Trump provoking those theories, retweeting a tweet from a conservative commentator that said, how does this happen? Hashtag Jeffrey Epstein had information on Bill Clinton and now he's dead. Democrats hitting back. This is um, another example of our president using this position of public trust to attack his political enemies with unfounded conspiracy theories. Epstein had been under suicide watch but taken off at the end of July. This is a huge black eye on the U.S. Department of Justice and more specifically the Bureau of Prisons. Prosecutors say the case against Epstein will not die with his death. Now they will target high-profile associates Epstein allegedly brought in to abuse the girls. 
those people may be investigated by the federal government and anything that they lawfully found in terms of documents at Epstein's home can be used in additional government investigations. Epstein's alleged victims can also go forward with civil lawsuits. I am calling today on behalf of his victims for the administrator of his estate to freeze all of his assets and not disperse them. Small consolation for Epstein's alleged victims who had hoped to see Epstein have his day in court. The FBI and U.S. Inspector General have now launched separate investigations into Epstein's death. Attorney General William Barr says serious questions must be answered. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. This story may have taken place uh, south of the border, but I, was, uh, I wasn't out a ton this weekend, but wherever I went, I, people were discussing this turn of events big time, Loren. So many layers to it about how it could have happened, who was watching it, was there a suicide watch, uh, issues about prison staffing and overtime, those, those, those happen in facilities in our country with concerns expressed there. And then that whole idea of, you know, someone dies like this, takes their own life. You're one of his alleged victims. Now what? Now what happens for you, to you? We were talking about closure last week and this idea that it doesn't exist in the first place. This is not going to help. No, the healing there. And then I do appreciate that request for freezing his assets until more is learned, because at the very least, if there is evidence, should money go to the to different people beyond his own? No, I just didn't want to interrupt. I wasn't going to say. I didn't say. want to interrupt McNabb while she was doing her morning exercises, but this was uh, part of the warm-up tape for the Manitoba Moose. So okay. this brings me back to the Winnipeg Arena press box, getting ready to do a Moose game. Just great memories. All yeah. right. Kelly's going to break out spontaneously and play-by-play. No, 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 no. Nothing serious no, no. like that, no. Jeffrey, across the line. Uh, Jeff Braun. Hello. You like one hit wonders? You got any ah, one hit wonder favorites? I do. I picked uh, a song that I think we all know from a band called Blind Melon. Mm. Oh, too. Yeah. I'm surprised this is a one hit wonder. Well, the guy died, so. Yes, I know, but the, they had no other songs. <laughs> they had two albums, and they're except for this song, they're both terrible. So. I don't know, it was weird. Because it's the only song I like from them, and I really like it. Because I was looking that up this morning, you know. What like, year was this? Nine, I want to say 93. That's going to be my guess. Maybe a little bit later. But what qualifies as a one-hit wonder, right, in terms of like the conversation, Rolling Stone put out a whole list a few Uh, years ago that had people saying, well, hang on, they had a couple other songs, and so if there was just one chart topper... If you can name one more Blind Melon song. (laughs) I absolutely can't. Um, I think this qualifies, Loren. But I'm just saying, that's that's where the line is. Yeah. I saw a list this morning that had Trisha Yearwood what? As a one-hit wonder, because it was on the Billboard Top 100. Right, that's what I mean. And, okay. I would, and, I, and there's at least five Trisha Yearwood songs I oh, can name. Oh, a few more than that. Oh, well, that you can name. Yes. But not that I can name. I'm okay, sure. that's why I was confused. I wasn't sure about mine. I'm going to play mine, but I didn't know if it technically qualified, because I was like, surely these guys have another hit. Get the XNA buzzer ready, Macklin. No, this qualifies <laughs> big time. So good! <laughs> ah, oh, here yes. she goes again! Here she goes again! Like, as if this is a one-hit wonder. 
Well, it is. I know, but like it was such a good thought. My point being is like when the song. How could they so, not have made such a, how a second could they not song? Set a second amazing that is synthesizer the, that's, song. That's the fun of one-hit wonders. <laughs> yeah. You made such a great first song. How could you not? That's my point. Uh, so then you're like, that. no, they weren't one-hit wonders. Sometimes though, you know, the bar is set so high with that first song. That the level of expectation now from the listener is that, well, you're going to have something even better or close to that. And it's Can't very difficult through, for a lot yeah. of artists to, yeah, to equalize that. Fortune, uh, what do you got? Um, I'm going to pick Harvey Danger with Flagpole Sitta. Who? Exactly. You know Fortune, the song. Fortune, it has to be a hit. This you recognize the song. This is, this is no a radio producer bumper music. <laughs> yeah, I don't recognize this song at all. Well, let's listen. Well, let's listen, yeah. I know this song. I feel like this is on an American Pie soundtrack. Okay. I believe it is, actually, yeah. yeah. This is American just Pie where 2. the age difference between Forte and myself just became so clear. Well, this is a late 90s song, I would say. Yeah. I would have given anybody yeah. on this side of the glass $100 if you could have named the artist or nope. the no. name of the that song. I know the song, but I couldn't have told oh, you the names okay. of either. Oh. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're going to go uh, <laughs> back right about 70 years for Kelly's song. <laughs> So bye, bye, what year did this come up? Not on the American Pie soundtrack. 72, I believe. These guys were one-hit wonders? They're not these guys, this guy. This guy? Don I'm McClain? so thrown by all Don of this. Don McClain. That. Did I say Don McClain? I actually... I thought you said Bob, but no, I said Don. Did you I say Don? Okay. I watched on the weekend the Office episode where... Dwight and Michael sing this at a graveyard. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and then they start dancing because they get the musical so wrong. Excited. The, yeah, the best part of this song, back when I first started in radio, of course, we were still playing 33s and 45s. Kids, those are records. Uh, this song was <laughs> 8 minutes and 41 seconds oh, long. Boy. So that was, this was the bathroom break, head down to walk. the back door to get the pizza deliver song. It's yeah. like when you were at a school dance and you ended up having to dance with someone to Stairway to Heaven. You're like, oh, how did I get Stuck with you for this long song. <laughs> I used to think of it exactly the, uh, the opposite way. Like, come on, that's the best song to get to dance to. You with. have some time to make some moves that's in right. that song. Yeah, lots of lots of time. All right, what do you moves. got there? Well, I just wanted to say about American Pie. My high school had so many graduates, and Daniel Mack. I think in '87 we had like over 300 in the graduating class. So a lot of high schools will you'll be able to put like a lyric or right. something. My girlfriend at the time went to a different high school, and I can't tell you how many times American Pie was quoted in that yearbook. I bet you it was a dozen mm. or more. Wow. So I don't really like. Like that song based on that <laughs> alone. Too bad. So weird sad. take. Yeah. Well, it's just the way it is. It's just you know, it takes me back to a place I don't want to be. This mm. one's totally got to qualify, right? Autograph. Good. I never heard this song. What? Turn up the radio? No. Oh. What? What do you mean you never heard this song? The same way we had never heard your hey, song. Nobody can hear it right now. You guys are talking. <laughs> Shush. Who sings this? Band called Autograph. Would this be back in the, about the mid '80s? Mid '80s, yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. Kelly Moore, Brandon Wheat Kings have this on their warm up. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Kelly Moore's life in play-by-play moments is basically all that comes it's down all about to. It's warm up tapes. Uh, they didn't have yours though, Fortune. I'll tell you that. So, as much as I've been thrown by the bands where you're like, okay, well, they had to have had more songs than this. I also stumbled across this this morning that I just wanted to play. 
Oh, maybe Hello. not. I'm too sexy for my yes. love. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right set, Fred. Such a bad song. Kind of makes you want to respect American Pie, doesn't it, Mackling? <laughs> I don't you oh American Pie in a whole other light now, Kelly. Thanks, Loren. <laughs> Set me straight there. Oh. <laughs> one of our listeners oh. saying Kung Fu Fighting, I believe, was the highest selling one hit wonder. We'd have to look into that. What about that, uh, the You're Beautiful? Uh, what was it? And then there was, oh, oh yeah. You Had a Bad Day. That was another one that did really well, too. I yeah. think Come On Eileen was also a one hit wonder. Yeah, Drexy's Midnight Runners. Yeah. yeah, that was a great tune. Which is shocking. Yeah. Again, yeah. such a great My tune. Sharona the Knack. Like, yeah. What? Macarena? Okay. I couldn't I think, even tell you who. I think we're done. What <laughs> about uh, Achy Breaky Heart? That was him. Yeah, but, yeah, he but now, Billy but he's, Ray Cyrus had a couple of other hits, too. Not really. Tell yeah. that to everybody. Not mainstream in, hits. Well, yes. okay, fine. Tell that to all the kids who are singing Old Town Road right no. now. Okay, so 35 years later, yeah. It oh, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's not a one hit wonder. Kelly, you're getting some pushback on the uh, on the Don McLean thing. Okay. Vincent, some song called Vincent from Don McLean. Yeah. Castles in the Sky by by Don McLean. Mm-hmm. Provincial election. We don't know when the writ will be written, dropped, declared. You 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 pick your superlative, uh, but it know. will happen in the next uh, twenty four hours. Twenty four yeah. to forty eight. Like, look, they've already started making promises, but technically, the provincial campaign doesn't become official until the premier makes that walk over to the lieutenant governor's house, asks her to dissolve the Manitoba legislature, and then that triggers the election campaign. So we're expecting that walk to happen as early as today. And then, of course, the race is on. The question we have for you this morning in the middle of the summer or nearing the end of the summer, but let's face it, a lot of people are in summer mode. What helps decide your vote? Is it the party, the person, their stance on issues like health care or crime? Are you even paying attention given this time of day? Curtis Brown is a principal at Probe Research, which regularly takes the pulse of Manitobans on a number of topics, and he joins us now to discuss this further. Good morning, Curtis. Good morning. Let's set the stage with what polls are showing at this moment. They haven't really changed months since the last election in 2016, have they? Uh, not a lot, no. It's been uh, We do a poll every quarter of, of uh, Man- 1,000 Manitobans, and we've found it's been very consistent. The progressive conservatives continue to be quite popular, uh, the NDP, um, you know, and, and the Liberals tend to be a fair ways back. Uh, NDP support tends to go up and down a few points here, a few points there. Uh, the one thing that we saw that was interesting in our last poll was that actually the Green Party, uh, their support has gone up a little bit. Uh, it actually doubled in the uh, uh, between March and June. Uh, so that could also be an interesting factor in this race that we haven't seen before. And I think that's mirroring what's happening at the federal level with the Green Party also having more support. Curtis, is there any differentiation between the leader and the party? We're seeing that in some federal polls where uh, a lot of people, despite the lack of popularity for the Liberals over overall, Justin Trudeau remains fairly popular. Do we have a breakdown here in Manitoba with regard to the leaders and who's most popular there? We, we don't we don't have a deep breakdown. Part of the issue is uh, Brian Pallister tends to be, you know, his, his popularity tends to be fairly consistent, and if anything, it tends to be a little bit behind uh, the party. Um, what we, we, we don't really know yet. We don't have a good sense yet, I don't think, of, of how popular Wab Canoe or Dougal Lamont, the Liberal Party, or James Bedham of the Green Party uh, are at this point. And, and all being relatively new, new leaders, this is their first election, uh, that, that's going, that, that could be a bit of a factor, because we do know that uh, 
the lead, party leader does matter. We've certainly seen this over the last 20 years in terms of um, you know when Gary Dewar was very popular, Greg you know Greg Salinger um, you know had some popularity certainly in the beginning. Um, so it, it does matter, and it is a factor. And, it, and I think the one way that you always really tell, I mean, how much of an asset the leader is, is how much you see them in the party's advertising. Uh, and we don't see them front and center in this election uh, and, and compared to other ones, which, which may suggest that maybe it is, it is something that the, the parties aren't going to be leading so much with the, with the leadership um, uh, aspect of it. I, I did see some ads, or maybe perhaps it was more of a social media campaign, where uh, you know the focus often goes like this: the the opposition can attack the record of the current government, and what the strategy might be for the Conservatives is to go after the record of the previous NDP in terms of how they did things when they were in charge. But they also are a bit already putting out ads against Wab Canoe and bringing up his his. Uh, criminal record has passed, the things yeah. that have happened there. And so there will be a bit of that, uh, some might call it smearing. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And that's something, yeah, we've seen that already uh, because, yeah, a lot of Manitobans won't necessarily know Wab Canoe in detail, but they might just know some of those things that you mentioned. Uh, and that's something that, uh, that, that, yeah, the Conservatives have certainly tried to um, talk about that a little bit, but, but certainly not. You know, if you think of, uh, for example, but, you know, uh, several years ago when, when the Federal Conservatives were were running against um, Stefan Dion and Michael Ignatieff and how much money they spent on advertising uh, to try to really define them in the beginning. We haven't seen it, I don't think, to that extent, uh, but certainly it's something that they're trying to do. And I think from the other side, it's interesting that the NDP haven't really been been making it too much about Pallister personally, but I think we have seen some in recent days some some of the unions um, some unions have been advertising, uh, talking about uh, you know making it about Pallister and specifically about healthcare. There's a lot of advertising uh, that's about that right now, so they're trying to really link that uh, to him in a personal way, and certainly some of those policy decisions with some which some people aren't happy with. Car- Curtis, what is the top issue? Well, I think so far it has been healthcare. I think, uh, you know, certainly, I mean, that, that, I guess that's also the thing. I mean, it also feels like the election has already been underway for about a month, just based on the behavior of the parties and then making announcements and, and what they've been talking about. Um, I think, I think healthcare certainly is a, is a major issue, uh, certainly in Winnipeg. Uh, I know, you know, you know, in our polling, are the, the top issues usually tend to be the state of the roads, crime, and what we've seen particularly in the last couple of years is uh, an increase in the number of people who are concerned about math. And uh, it's interesting that, yeah, the parties have now all released their, even the, the progressive conservatives have also released their plans for what they're going to do to deal with the math crisis. And we know that that's something that uh, a growing number of people are concerned about, and that is a, it's a healthcare issue and it's also a public safety issue. And so that's that, that, I think, is also a, a major uh, issue on voters' minds right now, too. 20 seconds. The election could be called as early as today, but we already know it's September 10th. When it comes to summer campaigns, is it really come down to that last week? Is anyone really pay attention until that, you know, you're back to school first week and actually, you know, starting to put your ears to the ground to figure out which way you're going to vote? I, I think that's the assumption. I think that, you know, we haven't had a summer election in um, almost 30 years in Manitoba. Uh, and I think it's something that I think there's, you know, a lot of expectation that, yeah, that last week, once once everyone's kind of back into regular mode, that's going to be the time when it really, uh, you know, when it really comes down to people uh, making their, you know, from Labor Day on, perhaps, that's when they're going to be making their choices and really thinking about uh, who it is they're going to vote for. Okay. All right. Curtis Brown, principal at Probe Research, discussing the possibility that the writ could drop as early as this afternoon. Thanks for this, Curtis. Thank Thank you.
I just want to give a little bit of a warning. If you've got kids in the car or around the radio, I'm of two minds on this. This could be difficult for them to hear, but it might be something that you want to discuss with your kids moving forward. The headline is this. They knew he was dying. Father of Langley, teen overdose victim, wants bystanders charged. The father of a 14-year-old Langley boy who died of an apparent overdose is outraged and heartbroken after watching disturbing video of what appears to show the final hours of his son's life. The video, which has circulated on Snapchat and other social media platforms before being sent to Global News, shows Carson Crimini high on drugs at the Walnut Grove Skate Park Wednesday night. Romina Dea reports. They knew he was dying. He was dying right in front of their eyes, and they just filmed it. They filmed it, and they Snapchatted it, and nobody called for help. (laughs) You can hear people laughing in the background. 14-year-old Carson Kremeni's grieving father wants the public to see how his son was treated before he died. The teen appears to be in distress. Police believe Carson died of a drug overdose. What did you say your name was? The disturbing video posted online before anyone called 911. One person, one person, even as, even if you weren't there, even if it was somebody that was being Snapchatted and sitting at home, you could phone 911 anonymously and just say, hey, there's a kid in trouble and he's here, you know, go help him. If somebody had called 911, they might have been able to save him. <sighs> We don't know what Carson ingested, how much, or who may have given him the drugs. An autopsy is expected Tuesday. Aaron Kremeni says his son was found in a ditch, alone near the baseball field close to the skate park. He was barely breathing. The teens who discovered him called police, but it was too late. Yeah, they, there needs to be charges. These kids need to be held accountable. The video evidence, strong. Charges a possibility, says this criminal lawyer. If they can identify uh, who these these uh, teenagers are, certainly there's uh, the beginning of an investigation that could lead to charges of criminal negligence causing death. Aaron says his son did not use hard drugs. He had ADHD, some trouble in school, but he was a good kid who just wanted to belong. He thought they were his friends. He called them his friends. <sighs> He trusted them. Langley RCMP have set up a dedicated tip line for this investigation. It's being monitored 24-7. Now, Aaron Cremeni says, don't be a coward. It's not too late to come forward if you have any information regarding what happened to his son. Romina Dea, Global News. It's just gut-wrenching to hear. And uh, like this is a parent's worst fear re- realized. These are the things that keep you awake well, just, at night as a parent. Just the possibility of drug use and the fear you might have of them trying something. Um, the video is available at globalnews.ca if it's something you want to see. Uh, the father was okay with this video being shared in the sense of now that his son is gone, he wants people to see just what was happening in that moment. And so if you watch it, it is this young kid, 14, um, he completely is twitching. He's bugging out, as they put. He's doing things that would make it very, very clear that he was extremely high on something. And now the question that's being asked is that you watch that behavior unfold. At what point did you think it might require some assistance? And, you know, where's that line for the other kids who were taking that video? First of all, why are you taking that video? 
let alone doing the job. You know why. why are you taking that video? It's you just know why. beyond me. But then to watch what was clearly an evolving situation at any point along the way as a bystander, where's your role in thinking? The same way that you used to have to talk about someone saying like alcohol poisoning. That was the only conversation I really had growing up about the impact of we talked about drugs in my my family. Don't get me wrong, but alcohol was the bigger issue, and so sure. it was about you can you can die from alcohol poisoning. You know, if someone's throwing up, all these things that you had to be aware of. Well, to watch this video and think that that kid hours later was gone is we, is awful. The, the kids taking that video, you know, there's self preservation involved in terms of not calling nine one one. We're going to get in trouble for what's going on here. They're they're not thinking about anybody else but themselves. And there's always a story I tell my my boys about that helps them to think about the idea of doing stuff they're not supposed to do. And my baby sister grew up in boys of Ain, and she's, this happened almost 18 years ago. So I think I'm pretty safe in sharing this story now and my mom's gone. So if, if my stepdad's listening right now, you can give, you can give my sister a <laughs> heck for this 17 years later, but I always tell my boys, the story about the time that my sister and her friends drove from Boys Vane to Brandon to see a movie in the middle of the day. They skipped school. So, of course, they were supposed to be in school. They drive almost an hour into Brandon to see a movie. Well, guess what happens while they're in the movie? The weather changes, and they come outside, and they are in a blizzard. It's zero visibility, and because they're an hour away from home doing something they're not supposed to do, what? guess what the first thing they should have done and the last thing they were going to do was? Call. Call somebody and say, hey, we're in Brandon. We're not going to be coming home. We're stuck in a blizzard. Well, what are you doing in Brandon? No. So what do they do? They get in the car and they make their way home because they were in the middle of a compromised situation. That's why you don't do it in the first place. It's not because it's the end of the world if you do it. It's because of what can happen in the meantime and the situation, the bad decision, the poor decision can lead to. And that's the story I share with my boys to have them think twice about doing things that they shouldn't be doing behind somebody's back. Because the chances of the boys that that this young man were with, this boy was with, uh, picking up the phone and calling 911 were two, slim and none. The fear of being in trouble was worse than the possibility of death. Come on, you know it. You know it. I know. That's the same with your story, though. That You risk your life driving home in that blizzard rather than phoning a parent and saying, yeah, we're in a situation. And I understand that. And look, you know, we were teens once too, Greg. Yep. But now you're a parent and I'm a parent and you think, my God, that you will never, I will never be as mad at you. I won't be mad at you as I would be hearing that my kid participated in something like this. And hopefully your kids believe you when you tell them that. Premier of Manitoba is a, a tall guy. What's his name? Now look up. Tallest guy you ever seen. We What's his name? That's his name. I'm Richard Cloutier from CJOB. I'm struggling with figuring out who to vote for. We want elections to be about ideas, about promises kept, debates about the key issues facing our province, our leaders, holding them accountable for what they do and what they say. And I mean, you don't want to bring it down to sort of the lowest common denominator and who's the best of the of the worst. And that sounds terrible to say, but 
Um, it, it's coming down to that. I, I really am objecting to the Americanized version that we're starting to bring in where everybody's throwing mud and slandering each other. I would much rather that they stick to truth and honesty and talk about what the real issues are and what their stance on those issues are rather than worrying about bad-mouthing somebody else. That was Richard Cluche speaking to Manitobans as part of a new podcast here on 680CJOB, cjob.com. Wherever you get quality podcasts, this will run periodically over the next few weeks. It will be called Decision 2019. And the decision is, who are you going to vote for? A question we're asking this morning because we're waiting for confirmation from the province that Brian Pallister and the governing conservatives will officially launch the 2019 campaign today. Richard Cloutier, host of the News with Julian Buckingham in the afternoon, has been uh, watching this one closely for us. Joins us now. Good morning, Richard. Hey, guys. How you doing? We're really well. Uh, we're, we're expecting that. You know, we knew that this was coming soon. We know the date. But what could happen as early as today, Richard? Well, Brian Pallister takes that trip across the parking lot from the Manitoba legislature to the lieutenant governor, asks her worship to dissolve the Manitoba legislature and issue the writ. And campaign is officially on. But as we all know, it's been unofficially on for quite some time. We've seen commercials of all sorts from all the political parties involved, Richard. We've seen tons of advertising from unions. Should we expect that trend to continue? Will it get ramped up? What changes will we notice once the writ is dropped, as they say? Well, and that means the official campaign is on, so there's uh, new rules and regulations once that happens. You're going to see more negative advertising, for sure. I think that uh, what happens in the weeks and months ahead of time is that uh, there's polling done, there's focus groups done, and I know, talking with the various campaigns, that uh, both Wab Canoe of the NDP and Brian Pallister of the Progressive Conservatives have negatives when it comes to women voters. And Canoe uh, and his, uh, his history and uh, the criminal involvement he has, Pallister, again, at times uh, can, uh, can be over-aggressive and be angry, and that doesn't appeal to a segment of voters. So, you know, we, we talk about the Americanization of campaigns. That's been a reality for a long time. This is essentially an advertising campaign. There's the air wars that you hear the radio and you see the TV commercials. There's lots already online. Some of that is going to move from online to, to, to mainstream radio and television. And then there's the ground game, the, the ground war, if you will. And uh, so far, the progressive conservatives have that ground game. They've been out there knocking on doors, identifying their votes. And advanced polls mean a whole lot more now than ever. With so many opportunities to vote before Election Day, the parties get out there, identify the vote, get those people to the polls, and try to have those votes in the bank before September 10th. The other parties are still struggling with their ground game. We were talking to Curtis Brown with Probe Research earlier this morning, Richard, about some of the key issues. And, you know, in many ways, a lot of them are typical. Uh, the infrastructure question gets raised. People like to focus on things like roads and health care. But what I thought was interesting in your that section of the podcast that we played uh, later on, not just to talk about the negativity of campaigns, but you talked in this week's podcast to some folks who had some real serious concerns, young Manitobans, about crime. Where does that sit as far as your concern when it comes to what we might Right here in the weeks ahead and what we have already heard in terms of meth related promises or other 
Front and center, the progressive conservatives last week got their meth strategy, their health care strategy out early so it wouldn't hamstring the early days of the campaign. And when you talk to Winnipeggers, and certainly we've done this on Global News and on 680 CJOB for the past several months, they identified just the change, the meth-fueled crime, property crime that we've seen. That's going to be a key issue. Of course, health care. We're already seeing this afternoon uh, that there's going to be a battery of new Democrats out 70. Concordia. They're trying to, quote off, quote, save that emergency room. But this is really about taking away seats that they lost last time around. So the New Democrats are targeting those north and northeastern seats to try to make those gains back from the progressive conservatives. So you're going to see the NDP doing a lot on health care. You're going to see the conservatives fire back and say, listen, you had your chance and you made no improvements so far. We're doing the things that have to be done to health care. The tough love, if you will, that nobody has done in the past 20 years. So we're going to see a lot more of that in the days and weeks to come. Richard, I uh, have to pay a little bit of attention to James Bedham, the Green Party, and and to Dugald Lamont, to the Liberals. How, how do they make inroads here? Their resources in terms of advertising uh, fairly limited versus the NDP and the, and the Conservatives? The Liberals are interesting because you run on the coattails of the Liberal brand and the fact that there's a federal election, there's going to be some duplicity there. Uh, Dougal Lamont is not a household name, and whether or not he has to spend more and more time defending uh, his seat in St. Boniface will be a telltale here. But again, they could be competitive in some of those uh, suburban ridings. But when you do the numbers, and Curtis Brown will tell you this, that um, a Liberal vote means progressive conservative seats, taking away votes from the NDP. And that's where the Greens come in. The Greens are doing well in the polls nationally and, as Brown said, provincially. And they finished a strong second in Wolseley. The incumbent there is not running, so it's open. So look for the Greens in Wolseley and maybe some of these other seats. But again, the Greens take away uh, votes from the New Democrats. So the progressive conservatives are poised to retain that big majority again. That's the way the numbers work. Well, you're going to see a lot more of it in the days ahead. Richard Cloutier with us this morning to discuss uh, the official campaign launch expected to get underway as early as today. Man, I've had almost everyone at my door already in the last few weeks. <laughs> I was surprised. Are you slamming the door? No, I take the time. But, you know, once they either figure out who I am or what I do, they ask if my husband's home because they know that, like, uh, you know, they're trying to, I, I'm trying to remain objective and they're trying sure. to let me do that. So does he offer them beer, tea, uh, he's not, yogurt? He, he's, uh, you know, he's had a lot. He'll, he'll, I wouldn't say he's pretending to go on a bike ride, but there's been a lot yeah. of bike rides when they show up he at the door. He gives you the eye roll, doesn't he? <laughs> Loren, again, seriously, come on. Thanks, Rich. And we're bringing in one of our regular and, and favorite guests because he always makes your kind of head go, what? This is, <laughs> is, this is what's happening out there? So we're talking to Mark Saltzman. I have you down as technology evangelist, author, sure. radio host, yeah, blogger, the, like I all host, these things. I host Tech It Out here on CJOB on Saturdays and Sundays at 11. So we were talking about the technology that will be coming if you're getting your kid ready to go back to school. And I'm thinking about how all I wanted say, 25 years ago was that pen that had the four different <laughs> colors. colors, right? Yeah, like red, yeah. green, black. <laughs> and that was considered... And blue. And, blue. and that yeah. was considered like, was oh tech. my gosh. Or I a calculator. Four colors and one pen. <laughs> Check it out. Well, or a calculator or the pencil 
sharpener for the crayons in the 64 box of crayons. Oh, yeah. That was a big deal because then you didn't have to get up to sharpen your crayons. Or an electric, like a pencil oh, sharpener. Oh, now that you're did it. getting oh. out of control. This is, this is like peanuts, right? Compared to what <laughs> kids are talking about now, Mark. Uh, every school has a plethora of tablets. They have a computer lab. They have all sorts of tech that's uh, becoming mandatory at other levels that that kids have it themselves. Where are we at on that front? So look, uh, tech is a tool in your arsenal to help you, you know, be a better student. It's, it's, unfortunately, there's still a digital divide where not everybody has access to the same tech uh, as the next one, unless it is given by the board. And depending on where you live in Canada, yeah, you might get an iPad, which is pretty sweet, or a laptop. But at the very least, there's, you know, communal computers and libraries where you can have access to the internet. Of course, that is the world's biggest library. So on one hand, yeah, it's sort of like, it is it is not a luxury anymore. It's a necessity. But then there are some devices, which we'll get to in a moment or two, that, you know, are, are a nice to have, but not a need to have. You know, it, it could help a student, but it also can help you have fun. If you live on a dorm room, I'm going to talk about some things there as well. Live in a dorm, rather. So you want to have a little bit of fun when you've had a long day at school, want to blow off a little bit of steam. So there's a bit of that, too. Well, let's talk first about because, you know, it's gone beyond the list of glue sticks and crayons, right? There are things that, that as a parent, if you can, you want to be able to give your kid because it because it might help them out, yeah. right? And so some of the things on your list are, I see them everywhere now. You, yeah. you mentioned laptops, for that example. Is, I would argue that is the most important tech item, uh, Loren, because it is something that uh, is for any any age. So it's what, not just for high school students and, and post-secondary. What are so, you holding up now? Yeah, so this is the Surface Laptop 2 from Microsoft, a super slender, uh, very lightweight laptop. So it won't, you know, it's not like the Backbreaker 3000 that you might have had when you were younger in your backpack. Uh, but uh, but there's no sacrifice in power either. It's uh, a ve- very powerful processor. So you can, it's great for work and play. Kids want to do their uh, schoolwork um, during the day and then play a round of Fortnite after that. Great. Uh, but um, it's got a 14 and a half hour battery. Which battery me, life is a big deal. I right, was just going to say it's not the sexiest of features that you look for when you're at a store and you're reading, you know, what to buy. But it is so critical, especially if you're on campus and you don't want to have to carry a charger with you everywhere and be what what we call a wall hugger, where you have to sit and plug and wait for it. To, you know, or at an airport, right? You go to the Winnipeg airport, yeah. you see people plugged in because their phones died. So the battery life is critical. So this is again almost fourteen. It is up to fourteen and a half hours. So I really like this laptop, and it's got a touchscreen. Not all computers have that. Oh, I didn't so, even know. Yeah. Yeah, so that is a and 13 and a half inch touchscreen. Cost here? Twelve ninety nine. Twelve ninety nine. So, so you're not, not talking. Che- you're not talking about this laptop for my ten year old. You're talking about. I mean, I guess I could, um, but yeah, we're t- talking more about the, the older kids who might be in high school or going into university who definitely, definitely, definitely will need to have a laptop. I would them. recommend for younger students opt for, still go with a desktop even though they're harder to find because that way you can put it in a highly trafficked area of the home and keep an eye on where they're going on the internet yep, that's uh, what and, we do in our house. and less prone to damage because it's not portable. But once you start getting into high school, yeah, 1299 isn't the least expensive uh, surface laptop. There are obviously more affordable ones, but this will last you four five, six years, if not more. So you're talking about the investment for, yeah, the, for, yeah. for the term yeah, or the high school more or now, for, to their first, your, for, for their yeah. first mm-hmm. degree. Now, of course, the kids on one hand are going to want all the latest bells and whistles. This, I have to have this. I have to have this amount of memory, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. And I think I'm fairly well schooled because I've got a couple of different MacBooks over the years yeah. and, and have an idea of what I need and what I want. But what I see my kids doing on the Apple at the desktop 
is equal or surpassing anything I even did four or five years ago. So how do we avoid them talking in talking us into the stuff that they think they need right. that they really yeah. don't. Where's that line? How do we right. educate ourselves on that to say, yeah, you know what? You're right. You do need this, or maybe you don't need and that. And you're going to get it from both your kids and the salesperson at the store sure. because yeah. they want you to buy, right? More. So look, it, it, I think it often boils down to the curriculum. Um, if it's just basic tasks you need, like word processing and spreadsheets and email and social media and web browsing, you can go with a modest PC. I would say six, $700 and up. Um, anything lower than that, you it will be a lot slower and you're not going to get more than a year or two out of it in most cases. Uh, but if it's a, a curriculum that has a, that d- demands a little bit more uh, processing power, like animation or video game design, I know there are schools in the Winnipeg area that that, it, that uh, focus on that, um, you know, that kind of thing, photography, editing and all that, then you will need a little bit more uh, oomph under the hood, if you will. That's a very technical term. Oomph, oomph under yeah. the hood. Yeah, I'm going right. to try that. Walk yeah. into the door. Oomph. I'm looking right. for a little, how do you say right. oomph under the hood? But if you aren't and if you're in a dorm room though again I'll, I'll defend the students here it's your laptop is also for fun you're going to stream netflix you're going to play games you're going to you know you're going to video chat with your friends whether it's facetime or skype or what you know so it is sort of a multi-purpose versatile device so if you pay a little bit more it will last many more years you have the laptop on your back to school list on that on that connection front uh you have a smartphone and an apple watch so let's go with the phone sure so this is the nokia 4.2 it's a a gorgeous 5.7 inch android phone that is under 300 bucks how is the phone a back to school item because if you're in middle school and older this is one of the most important i would say next to your laptop it is an important tool for a few reasons communication is one of them. Safety, like you may be a latchkey kid, you're going to want to have that peace of mind knowing that when they're walking home from school or if your daughter, for example, is on a campus that she's got something with her that uh, that she can easily call 911, heaven forbid. Um, it is a communication tool. All the kids often, and, and I've got three of my own, they're all in group chats doing homework simultaneously with their classmates. And it could be done on a computer, but it's often done on a phone, which is a computer. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget. I think we should stop calling them phones myself. I know, right? Right. So, look, it, I, I would say that this is maybe not as important as a, a full size computer with a, a full keyboard to type up your reports and essays. But a phone is incredibly important. And not to mention, you can tap to buy things at retail on this. But my point with this phone, the reason why I brought this in and I talked about this on Tech It Out on Saturday, is that some phones cost upwards of two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Right. Mm-hmm. So for under three hundred, you're getting a fully functional phone, which is a great camera as well with that blurred background effect we like called bokeh bokeh effect. So this is a a, a really good bang for your buck device. You make a good point because we have to stop thinking about it like a phone because my instinct is to say, well, that shouldn't be on a back-to-school list for, say, right. an eight-year-old. But, but as you advance with communication... That's true. And it can yeah. be a calculator, a it can be enough. all these things. Yeah, like it's a handheld computer. Mm-hmm. You can stick around for a few more minutes, I would right? love to. Okay, good. We'll come back because there's a couple extra things on this list that one for sure I get is a good household item. I think it's more of a back-to-school gift, unless you're telling me this thing can do so much more than what I thought. I right. want to know about printers. and oh, Is there yeah. an endless supply of ink that I can find somewhere and purchase? Because... <laughs> I hate the running out of the ink. We're talking with Mark Saltzman, host of Tech 
it out. You uh, didn't know this song? Oh, no, I knew this oh, song. okay. <laughs> I'm just saying there's been so many songs And you morning, call yourself a product of the 80s? <laughs> that, I, that they've been, like, playing, and I've yeah. been thinking, I, why do I, I don't have a hot clue what I'm listening to right now. I, I get that, like, uh, exercise montage yes. in my head, right? Like oh, the, yeah. Rocky yeah. too. I just said I had been to Philly uh, just to stop in and do the run up the stairs uh, yeah. for Rocky oh, and awesome. do the whole, you yeah. know, fake thing. Uh, we're talking technology, back-to-school technology that you might want to get for your kid or your university or college student. We've gone over the laptop. We've also talked uh, a little bit about the smartphone. Quickly, the wireless earbuds. Mm -hmm. A couple of accessories for that phone. Sure. So first, let's talk about the ear wireless. Why would that be an advantage? When would someone want those? Yeah. So if you spend a lot of time out of the house, then wireless earbuds, you've probably seen them, kids wearing them on the street. Very trendy because there's no cables anymore Mm -hmm. running between your ears and the phone. So these just pop in your ear. What, What I brought with me here are from a company called House of Marley. And they're called Liberate Air. There are these cool little, like the, it's like a wood finish, right? Like a, a bamboo finish. Very tiny little earbuds with up to nine hours of battery life. Wow, nice. that's a lot. even though they're very small, mm-hmm. with great sound, so you can listen to your music, your podcasts, your audiobooks, um, and take a call. There's a dual stereo microphone, so if mom and dad call the kids to check in, hands free while your phone is in your pocket or in your purse, you can take a call just by tapping on the side of the earbud, and it's really clear. It, it'll sound like as if you're holding the phone up to your face, which you're not supposed to do for health reasons. So this is great. Yeah, this is a great little device. One uh, set of earbuds, uh, $179, which is a lot less than the Apple AirPods. So those are earbuds. And they work both, by the way, with iPhone and Android. That's even better because all this whole one sole compatibility thing can be frustrating. The watch. Speaking of which. What would be be a good reason to say, you know, what I really noticed this year was a lot of more kids and my my kids included uh, really wanted the Fitbit. Mm -hmm. uh, And it was for just because they're so used. They're used to the idea of tracking the things. And that's good, right? If that can motivate our kids to exercise. I call it my uh, digital uh, overlord and told (laughs) me to stand up a few moments ago. Stand up. So if you do have an iPhone, yeah, I like the Apple Watch a lot. Um, This is, uh, of course, a wearable device. So a student, for example, can get a slight vibration on the wrist when it's time to go to class or when an assignment is due. It sends you reminders. Uh, It does tells you to breathe and move throughout the day. So it's meant to be a health device. I also like forget students, even for seniors. It now has this is a series four Apple Watch fall detection. So if you fall, it asks you if you're okay. And oh, if you wow. don't answer, it calls 911 for you. That is fantastic. Yeah. It even has a built-in ECG, electrocardiogram. You put your finger on this little um, crown, out. and it'll it'll look for uh, any abnormal heart rates or heartbeat. I mean, it's it's crazy, Mine's the technology. But uh, you can raise your wrist to your mouth to ask a question and get an answer from Siri. So it's a wearable device, very popular. It's usually 519 but it's 459 on eBay. Wow. Uh, so that's Apple stuff never goes on sale. So cool. it's great. It yeah. Does, you should. Yeah. Mark, awesome. we're running out of town. Want to ask no you real quick about uh, print, printer ink. It's an issue for anybody that has a, a home printer. Sure. Not so much if you, you do your printing at work. <laughs> yeah. So I brought with me here the Epson EcoTank ET2760. This is a car- And it's not a tank. It's actually a perfectly normal yeah. size. <laughs> yeah, it's, not that, it's not that big. But it does take uh, ink tanks or, or bottles rather than cartridges. So out of the box, you get ink that lasts up to two years. Come on. Yeah, that's up to 7,500 pages in black or up to 6,000 pages in color. Now you're talking. And then when it is time to replace the ink, they're less than 20 bucks a bottle. So a lot more affordable than a cartridge. Because when I was a student, I always ran out of ink at the most inopportune times. Of then the store was maybe closed. You know how it goes. So this is 379 
Plus, you talk about the waste over the years. Cartridges were, were the same price as the cheap printer. That's true. And so lots of people would just bucks. go out and buy a new printer. Not good for the environment. The, terrible. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mark. Mark Saltzman. Thanks, guys. Check it out. Hear it here on CJOB Saturday and Sunday at 11. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.